How are you? Oh, wait a minute. Oh, um, no. Uh-oh. I, I'm here. There you we go. Hear I you hear me now. You know, Ben, we've discussed this before. Um, there's two important, well, there's probably three important things if you're doing a podcast. Well, there's three important pieces of hardware. Um, there's the computer, there's the microphone, and then there's the headphones. And and I've learned this lesson before, but I learned it again today. Um, the microphone is not a good headphone. No, micro <laughs> microphones connected to the to the head bone. Head bone. <laughs> My, yeah, it's not a, it's not a good microphone. No, it's a good no, microphone. It's, no. In fact, it's, it's a great it's, it's microphone. A, it's, it's a it's a it's just it's just non-functional. It's a headphone, but for some reason, I mean, it's it is nice that Zoom. I mean, the the listeners can't. can't I hope the listeners can't see this, but the the I have I have a very nice. Um, my Rutgers um, uh, icon is there. My image. Oh yeah, um, yep. So you can see me uh, scratching my beard and wearing my head pondering, um, pondering, pondering, pondering. And and what you can't see in that picture is slightly out of frame. Is uh, <laughs> so, I think a microscope. <laughs> oh, a mi and and a microphone, which was it would uh, also be slightly uh, out of frame too. <laughs> It should be, should be. I, I have to go find the original. The reason why it's cropped so tight tightly is that there's other. Um, uh, other uh, characters from the uh, um, uh, Merlin podcast universe arrayed around me. Um, <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, and so I've I've cropped this wonderful Kevin Budnick photo a little tight, um, but uh, yes. So uh, yeah, Zoom, man. It's a uh, it's a great app. Yeah, it's it's a great app when it when it works. Um, I, I get lots of alerts now that I didn't know about mm. before, mm. Um, and I'll, I'll read you one. Oh, it came up in my notification um, center, um, and so don't don't hack me. I haven't been hacked, but it says uh, Zoom.us. <laughs> an update is available. Quit this application to allow the update to complete. And I, I will not. I'm gonna I'm gonna dismiss that because uh, that would uh, it might impact our recording um, for um, for today's uh, well, episode temporarily. Temporarily, yes. And right and now, maybe, but but here's the thing, Ben. If it's if it's working, if, it, you know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna offer this up as a very good piece of advice, Ben. You probably never heard this before, um, but if it ain't broke, don't fix it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. It's yeah, it, it's uh, something that's a that little, I learned. A little homespun wisdom for you there. Yeah, that's um, that sounds like some Jersey. You know what? That sounds like something. <laughs> no, no, we don't. We say ain't. I don't think we say ain't in Jersey. I'm not. I don't sure. know. Forget about it. Sounds it. like something that y'all would say. <laughs> yeah, y'all, y'all, <laughs> y'all, y'all, if it ain't broke. Um, so, um, I, uh, w one of the things that I've been doing um, recently, because uh, I, I think I mentioned this maybe in the last time we recorded or at some point, we're in the now what I would consider the dead zone of live sports for me because yeah. hockey is over, basketball is over. Um, the football season has not started. My fourth favorite thing to watch is baseball, and it's really just mm. good background. It's like not yep. something that needs to be done in you know uh, focus. So we watch a lot of movies right now. You and watch baseball at the same time? Sometimes. Oh, you your microphone has changed. Something has happened. Oh, you, Jesus. You, yep. You you're using your oh. are you using your headphones as a microphone now? You were trying to use your microphone as a headphones. God damn now, it! Sorry. <laughs> on the podcast oh there we go there we go i changed nothing ben <laughs> it's been nothing it's and fixed it, i mean now i i, I mean i i 
I fixed it, but I didn't break it. It's that was Zoom. <laughs> all on its own. If it ain't, Man, if it ain't broke, pause, can we pause the recording? I need to update Zoom. Yeah, right, right. You're gonna get a notification. Um, so anyway, you're. I think what we were talking there in a minute ago was it was was uh, colloquialisms. I may, maybe like things like y'all and if it ain't broke. Um, it ain't. I don't know. Regional, regional colloquialisms. With that, am I, I or am I, I just so. using the big no. word for something? No, that's that's I right, think, right? Well, uh, you know, uh, it's a, a it's a plural noun, Ben. Colloquialisms. It's a word or yes. phrase. It's not formal, formal or literary. Typically, one used in ordinary or familiar conversation. Familiar. Colloquialisms yeah. of the streets, for example. Yeah. Cr- like uh like if it ain't broke oh. don't fix it oh that's yeah. a colloquialism is the street of a well <laughs> so uh, you know another well but it's not see it says uh this the speech allows for colloquialism and slang slang is not the same as colloquialism oh. um oh here's a good colloquialism ben you're nuts you're nuts don't chicken out go oh. bananas there are a lot of oh, these food, food related yeah these are there's a lot of food there that's right up that's right up our alley well so um, I, I I rewatched um, uh, what what I would consider one of my my mm. most favorite movies, a classic movie, because I've been doing this with my kids um, as they get older. Now we're watching things that that I think are still funny today, not just mm. like things like um, Austin Powers, which I thought were funny when I was when I was fifteen. Um, but, but but you don't find funny now, right? Like it's it just hasn't aged well for me. Mm. Uh, but one movie that I watched uh, with with my kid uh, a couple of weeks ago is Best in Show, and we we have mm. talked about Best in Show oh, on this show. Yeah. yeah, speaking of peanuts, right? And so <laughs> as soon as we started talking about that's as, like as soon as we started talking about like y'all, all I thought was oh, I can I can name many nuts: uh, peanut, <laughs> macadamia nut. Uh, Cashew hey, nut, cashew nut, I, I could just keep. My mom would say that I could just keep going on forever. It just that boy's, you know, just just naming a nuts. There he goes again. Anyway, that. Um, so I watched that with my with my eldest kid who is uh, fourteen, and told him after maybe I don't know halfway through the movie, I was like, hey, a cool part about this movie is that most of these scenes are improv. Like there is an idea of what they wanted right. to capture, but the dialogue is improv. He's like, what? That's crazy. So, um, yeah. So, but, but we like, I, <clears throat> what I've run into now is there have been a bunch of movies that I've tried, like they, they, they want to watch things, both, mm-hmm. both kids that, you know, and they have all these like filters that they want to put on it. They want it to be, first of all, Don, very funny. Okay. Mm-hmm. For, as you know, sometimes that's a reasonable, that's a reasonable filter too. It consider. is. And it's got to be something that um, that they would find very funny even now. So it's got to stand up a little bit, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, and the you know what what is what, what what's considered funny now because of TikTok and Instagram is different than oh, than mm-hmm. like Cannonball Run or yes. Smokey and the Bandit, you know, yes. wh- whatever. Um, and then the other part that has become difficult is uh, they they must. Um, <laughs> they must also uh, be a movie that they've never seen before, right? Mm. Like now, now I got to give them new. So, so we spent right. about thirty minutes going through movies, and and it has to be something. If they, if both kids want to watch it together with me, both of them have to have not seen it, right? right? So, wow. so now, yeah. like, 
it's it's a it's like a, a risk magnification, right? Like I've now got to multiply. There's a multiplier oh, effect. Yeah, well, and there's so many constraints, right? Like it's yeah. a, it's, a, it's a Venn diagram that um has to overlap has to be a movie in the middle of it, right? Yes, yeah, and and it's and yeah. some days some days it gets there and some days it doesn't. So anyway, Best right. in Show came out um uh, as one that was that was good. Also, one that. Um, that we watched um, that that also I think stands up and it's probably like time and place for me um, is uh, the Breakfast Club and um, and uh, so you are you familiar with that with that movie the John, John I am I've, movie? I, I, yeah. I I have I've probably seen it um, once or twice yeah and um, I've probably watched it thirty or forty times wow and yeah and, and then I watched it again a couple of weeks ago and. Uh, and the uh, younger kid was got about six minutes into it, and he's like, "Yep, I'm going to play video games." And uh, the older one uh, stuck it out and said, "That was a good movie." He's he's into Jack. My my oldest kid is very much into like storytelling devices. Mm-hmm. Like like we he you can you can loop him in if it's if it's not predictable. Like like not doesn't follow right. a formula, right? Um, and a, the Breakfast Club doesn't really follow like today's kind of movie making formula. It's it's a it's kind of an interesting concept. You know, there's really so, six characters, and so are, yeah, yeah. So I so I googled the Breakfast Club, and as you know, um, uh, Google very helpfully um, uh, also says uh, r- r- gives you um, underneath the top hit. Um, people also ask. Um, and the top people also ask for me today is Ben, and this is a question for you. What was the point of the Breakfast Club? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my gosh! What what that also is shows up here. What was the point of the Breakfast Club? I I think it's a generational uh, uh, a commentary that that is uh, uh, that's that's about generations. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. The, the, the Google oh. says the answer is the constant struggle of the American teenager to be understood yeah. by adults and and by themselves, which yeah. is good for kids to to like teenagers to like grapple with that. Totally, yeah. and it was, and I think that that's why my my teenager really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, oh, so before yeah. we completely get off of movies and the best in show, have they seen this as Spinal Tap? Because if they like so, best in show, I mean, Spinal Tap has to be right up there. Yeah. So they have not seen this as Spinal Tap yet, and it okay. and it's and it mainly is because I haven't pushed it hard enough. Like oh, with yeah. best in show, the hook was. There's dogs, and you know we like uh-huh. a good we like a dog in our house. We, we right. currently have we right. we have we currently have three dogs in, in our house. Wait right, a minute, as of right now, yeah. Wait a minute, we, is we, that is this? The, the, but two of them are loners, right? Correct. Yeah, we are okay. temporary. We are temporarily housing two dogs while um, while our friends are um, are away from their from their house. Oh, so we'll nice. so so like uh, you know um, be- best in shows got dogs. Breakfast Club had teenagers and angst, which is mm-hmm. a big theme in my house. Yep, um, yep. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, this is Spinal Tap. I got to sell them on. This is about it's about music and it's hilarious. Yeah, right? it's, like, a, it's about a bunch of uh, stupid, stupid rock stars that are stupid and they get into some weird, crazy, zany antics. Yeah, yeah, and and it's and it's brought to you by the same people that brought you Best and in Show. Best in Show, and all the dialogue is improvised. Exactly, right? and, because that's yeah. the whole. That's the whole. The whole. You know. Um. Yeah. Uh, Christopher Guests, Rob Reiner you know thing right yeah yeah that's what makes it that's what makes it um unique in my in my kids uh view too like he really was into that he's like wow i just just the the creative aspect of it right like that right that this is something that he couldn't 
grapple with like, wait, people are making this up. That's very, that's really hard to do. That's amazing that I'm watching this. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, it, that was cool. We, so the other thing that, that we've been doing, um, to replace, um, not, not watching sports, um, is, uh, I, Don, over the last four days, I've gone to two concerts. I'm Whoa. like a, I'm a little concert guy again. Like this is, I'm reliving my twenties because, uh, cause this is what, this is what I used to do. And then I got, I got a kid. This is not, this is my younger kid who, if I, if I texted him today and said, um, I'm going to take you to a concert tonight and just make up a band name. Like he doesn't even know who it is, where they, what kind of music it is. He's in, he immediately right. is like, let's go. So, so and I, I did take him to two concerts. In, in the last four days of bands that he does know. So we went and saw Weezer, um, who mm-hmm. makes some really good nerd, nerd pop rock. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and I had never, I'd never seen them in, uh, in concert before. And it was, um, it was great. It was, it was fabulous. Uh, and then, uh, and then we went to see, uh, we haven't mentioned this band on the show in a while. Don is not the tragically hip is not bare naked ladies. Um, but, uh, we went to see Sloan, uh, the, uh, power pop quartet out of, uh, Halifax, Nova Scotia. Uh, and now I'll live in Toronto who Merlin is also a big fan of. Um, and they played, uh, at a, at a, just a small little club here, local place to about, uh, 150 people last night. And it was fabulous. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, nice. So, so this is what, like, I'm all of a sudden, uh, I, you know, I'm, uh, m- most of my life I spend in, in sort of this like rotation of places that I go to, I go to a hockey arena to either coach or play hockey. I, I sit in my house and, and probably mostly watch hockey and other sports and, and then catch other things in between. And then now I go to, I, I just go to all these live shows. And I say that now I go to all of these, um, 50% of the day, the 50% of the last four days I've gone to a concert. So I, I feel like wow. I'm on a, that's a trend line, right? Like if I, we can, we can draw <laughs> a line through those two points and show that this is what, this is a thing that I do now. I don't, um, I don't think you understand how lines and points work. Um, I, I found some points I think, and I, I think I, I draw I think, a line. <clears throat> yeah. I think you can say that if this trend holds, okay, the probability of you going to a show is 50%. Um, but what's going to happen, Ben, as time goes on is I predict that that sample, um, is, is going, you know, you're going to take, you're going to collect more data and the probability is going to go down. And so I'm going to, so what you're saying is in the future, I'm going to less shows where where currently I think I'm going to more probability of you going to a show is 50%. But if you don't go today, then it's going to be two fifths. And then. Um, right, two fifths, and then and then again, at the yeah. end, and then after two days of not going to shows, it's going to only be one third. Oh my gosh, because that's and how that, probabilities work. So I'm d- I don't, disappointed. I don't think it's. I don't gonna... think it's a trend line. Well, I mean, it's in your hands, right? I mean, yeah, right, right. I, I do control this. Well, I, I will. Um, while while we're talking about things, I will search uh, local concerts to go to, <laughs> um, so I can keep my trending uh, on the way that I, that I want it to go. It's it, it's fun. Um, I, I found it really fun to go with with my kid to these things because he is um, he enjoy like he enjoys it. I know that sounds really stupid, right? But he like I see him. I am constantly looking at him, being like, 
I think he's really liking this. And then afterwards, he's like, that was really great. So we're, we're like, I, I don't know. I'm reliving the things that I really love through through them right now, which is, uh, it's a, I don't know. It's a fun place to be. We're doing, we're doing less and less kid things and more and more things that I like to do. Um, well, so, so speak, speaking of trends, I have some some sad news. Um, um, my uh, my trend line of uh, continuously hitting um, uh, over ten thousand five hundred steps <gasps> every day for yes. one thousand one hundred and eighty three days ended. <laughs> I'm on a I'm on a new trend. Um, which is zero days. Oh no! Um, what, what happened? But, well, I went to Japan, Ben. Okay, and um, I didn't. If I'd only walked, yeah, so you would have made um, it. Would, it would have, yeah, it would. You would have averaged it out if you had walked there. You that buy you a lot of days. Yeah, but what? But what? Uh, what and I discovered this after I sent a, a nice note to the developer. Um, when I got to Japan, what I discovered is I didn't have anything like a streak. And this is this is really interesting, right? And so because the 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 step data is 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 portioned as per the your day, your 24 hour day, which on the East Coast goes from midnight to midnight on the Eastern time zone. <clears throat> but when I moved to when I when I moved to Japan, when I went to Japan, um, it takes all of those same steps, but it reapportions them to japan midnight to midnight oh right? no and yeah but but here's the thing i discovered after i got back that there is a setting that you can keep which would say preserve my original time my original time zone which leads to some weird results like you get steps counted for yesterday right when <laughs> yeah you, so so i could so at that point i'm like okay well my steps are broken maybe it's going to all sort itself out when i get back to the u.s but it's going to break my brain to kind of figure out like how to how to deal with that right yeah um and, and so and then i came back and i turned it on and i realized oh you know if i'd really tried hard i probably could because the problem is when you go to japan it's not quite 24 hours on a plane but it's a long time on a plane which makes it for that time period really difficult to get in the steps right because it takes a big chunk of the day out of out of it on either end um and then and then and then and then it's like well all right my slept my stretch is broken so i'm just gonna chill out and i'm not gonna i'm not i didn't know it's just like it's fine i mean i could i knew it was coming and then um i had i did have five days uh last week uh monday through friday and then um, this weekend we went um, to see my family um, uh, for my dad's memorial service, which was great. But I'm like, oh, it's fine. I'm just here, like seeing family, trying to keep up with work a little bit or not fall too far behind. And I'm, I'm just gonna, it's fine. I'll give my feet a rest. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll, I'll just get right back on it. So right, um, right. So anyway, and you had a so, good run. Uh, oh, I had, had a great run. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I had a great, a great one thousand one. It's one thousand one hundred eighty-three. It's. I wish I had. I wish I'd gotten to like. 2000 or, two, or not 2000 but 1200 i don't know it's not a it's not a nice round number i should have stopped at a thousand days ben that's what i should have done but anyway uh, it's fine i'll uh, i'm 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 uh i mean i'm sad that it's over but it's okay i'll just i can you know, it's really it's all about living in the moment right and the day right. and like i'm gonna hit my target for today and that's good so yeah and, and you always have that that 1183 so <laughs> they'll always we we'll have 1,183 Oh, so speaking, I mean, this is a jokey, this is a jokey um, part of the show where we're joking around and stuff, but I did want to, I would be remiss if I did not share um, some recent sad news since we're speaking of memorial yeah. services and stuff, some recent sad news that you shared with me 
um, which is the passing of Dave Masinga, yeah. um, who's a colleague that we know from Gojo, um, who died suddenly um, at 53, which is which is an awfully young age uh, to pass away. And Dave, as we say, was one of the good ones. Um, it did really good research, uh, some big fan of some of his papers, and was just a, again, just a, it's just, a, it's just a tragedy, right, for somebody to die so young. Um, and especially somebody who's just like such a decent, like good guy. And and I didn't know, I knew, I knew about him professionally, but and we'll link to his uh, obituary here. Um, but man, um, what a, what a great guy, like such an active life and kids and, and active in his uh, church and just like such a, yeah, such a rich life beyond the part of his life that we, I know him from, which is um, um, his work with, with Gojo. But yeah, it's just a, it's a, it's a shock. Uh, I'm sure to his family and to his Gojo colleagues and and all of that. So yeah, just um, and thanks for thanks for sharing with me. I I heard about it from from you because I hadn't heard from um, my Gojo colleagues. And I did reach out to um, Chip yeah. Manuel, who's a friend of ours who works at Gojo now, um, just to ask if I could get um, Dave's family's home address and just to express my my sympathies. And uh, yeah, so it's uh, so it, it's it's tough. It's tough. tough it time. is. Yeah, and um, I, uh, I I I met I, I think I met Dave through you specifically right. um, at IAFP or or at some other meeting, um, and then um, you know every time I would kind of run into him at different different uh, spots, he always would he he was so um, such a great person. He'd always ask about not only the things that are like happening in my little world of food safety, but would ask about like family stuff and, and just the other orbits that, that we're, that we're in um, as, as we, uh, as we navigate our, our non-professional uh, life. And, um, and uh, I, I happen to be uh, at Gojo uh, with you uh, in um, mm. uh, last fall and, yeah. uh, and ran into Dave in the, in the hallway and talked for a, a, a few minutes and, and you're you're right. He's he's one of those um, one of the one of the good ones, uh, and then one of those uh, individuals who really seemed to have an impact on the people that he was he worked with and he was around. And um, and I'm yeah, I'm I'm sad. It's always sad when we when we lose someone, especially unexpectedly, especially someone um, so young, and and to learn so much about um, you know the the his non food safety or hand washing life is. Um, also makes you me, you think about lots of stuff, um, but yeah, it's sad, sad, sad news, and and hopefully um, we can um, when when we see the, our Gojo colleagues, uh, we'll, m many of us will be together in a few weeks at IAFP. We'll um, we'll, we'll we'll toast uh, toast Dave, um, but yeah, it's sad sad stuff. Yeah, and I, I will say too, um, we'll link to um, we'll link to my dad's obituary again, which we link to. There is a, a video now there uh which has some wonderful pictures of him including a whole bunch of pictures of him that a lot of which he took as a kid um or as a young man who was inter interested in photography and um yeah and i'll say too it was so it was so wonderful to go up and to see my family and to meet all of my parents friends we had a wonderful reception at a local winery and, and like 100 people and it was just it was just really really nice to to get together with all of those folks and to see everybody 
Um, and uh, yeah, and and to meet some of his work colleagues, few of his work colleagues, and then just many of their their friends um, from uh, up there uh, in Interlake. And so really, it was a nice it was a nice weekend. It was it was a good it was a good send off for him. And uh, I think uh, yeah, we certainly. I mean, they don't none of none of them listen to this podcast, but I do appreciate <laughs> all of those folks turning up. <clears throat> Yeah. yeah, so it was it was it was nice. So a weekend That's weekend of, of sadness, but but also some reflection and and joy too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, I do uh, you know I, I think that there's been this this trend in the last I don't know ten or fifteen years um, uh, that that I've viewed in my my personal life of moving away from sort of finality of funerals and and taking your breath and uh, collectively and thinking about you know grief. Um, you know, a grieving time and then coming back together for these celebrations of life. And I think it's a really like, it's a good development in our society um, to mm. be able to, to do, you know, what, what you, what you were able to participate in. And, um, and yeah, it's, it's certainly sad when, when people go, but to be able to, to, to focus on those, those memories is always really, really, really great. So I'm glad, glad it was a good weekend. Um, Absolutely. Um, for you. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I uh, we'll have to, let's move. Uh, yeah, let's move to, to some stuff. Um, so yeah. So I, can can we can we talk about uh, this real? Uh, the, so the email the, the 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 this is saved in our Dropbox. This is yeah. an email from Elizabeth Andres, um, and uh, and I've entitled the uh, the file uh, Elizabeth Andres email about stupid article. So <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, can we talk about this? This is yeah. uh, this this is just uh, idiocy. Um, uh, so this is an article from a website called Marca. Um, yes, M A R C A. I don't know what that stands for. Um, it makes me think of uh, the Brady Bunch. Uh, Marca, Marca, Marca. <laughs> um, how to how to clean strawberries? To well, so this is weird, right? Mar and, so and the I headline I'll, is how to I'll clean strawberries to avoid hepatitis A with a question mark. <laughs> Right, right, and um, I so what Marca is is okay. um Spain's national daily sport newspaper. Oh, sure, that's where I always go for my food safety yeah. news. And if you look at the top of the of the headlines, it's like NFL, NBA, soccer, MLB, oh, yeah. boxing, more sports. Oh, weird. Hmm. Yeah, so so that's the yeah. It is a um yeah. It's a Unidad uh, publication uh, that is. They do a lot of they do they do news. Apparently, like how to clean and, strawberries to avoid hepatitis A, and 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 apparently, um, apparently Elizabeth Andrus is a big fan of this Bar uh, Spanish yeah. Spanish website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Liga. Yeah. Oh, I don't know if that's right. Uh, yeah, uh, the newspaper focuses primarily on football, particularly the day-to-day -day activities of Real Madrid, FC Barcelona, and Atlet Atletico Madrid. So. Um, yeah, it's uh, that this and also it says uh, 25 million uh daily readership, including Elizabeth Andrus. <laughs> so. In fairness, it says this was in the uh, this this is in the news feeds today, so obviously, she's yeah. just scrolling for food safety news and this and this popped up, but but boy, this is a really bad article, Ben. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I it's uh, there's a video uh, which is entitled "How to Wash Strawberries to Avoid Hepatitis A." Okay, that's interesting. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, this is just like this is just so so bad. Um, proper handling and 
practicing proper handling and hygiene when dealing with fresh strawberries can help safeguard you and your family against foodborne illness. Um, how to clean strawberries to avoid hepatitis A? Uh, okay. Um, uh, when handling strawberries, it's essential to maintain proper hygiene. So start by washing your hands thoroughly with hot soapy water for 20 seconds. That's good because that would be a good way to not get hepatitis A from you, I guess. From you. Yeah, that you already have. Um, yeah, wash your hands before and after handling food, touching raw meat, changing diapers, using the restroom, handling pets. Okay, dry your hands with a paper towel. I mean, there's good advice in here. Um, sanitize all food preparation areas and utensils. Maybe, was, you think this might have been written by an AI? Yeah, um, yes, I do, I do. Okay. And it's mm -hmm. funny that you say that. It's because I just went to ChatGPT and said, can <laughs> you write you me did. a 300-word article on how to clean strawberries to avoid hepatitis A? Question mark. Oh, dear. And some of the stuff's here. Like, it's select fresh strawberries, gather your supplies, um, uh, prepare the okay. work area. Um, but now we get into the meat of this, um, no pun intended, the berry of it, I guess. Um, washing the strawberries, approximately 70 words. Place the strawberries in a colander or strainer and hold them under cool running water. Gently rub each berry with your fingers to remove any dirt, debris, or pesticides. Ensure that all sides of the berry are thoroughly rinsed. Avoid using any detergents or soap as they can leave residue that may be harmful if ingested. And I'll point you to the end of this article. It says, mm -hmm. avoid using detergent, soap, or bleach when washing as these substances can uh, alter the taste of the fruit and may be har mm. harmful if consume consumed. It's almost like AI wrote this. Mm. Like it's yeah, um, yeah. I think I think I think. I mean, what are the odds that this is written by an AI? I'd say well above fifty percent, right? Yeah. Well, and and so taking the time. So the conclusion, taking the time. This is from AI, not from the article. To mm -hmm. clean strawberries properly is essential for minimizing the risk of hepatitis A transmission. Which again, we're giving yeah. we're giving it a hallucination because it's not right. Um, <clears throat> by following these straightforward steps, you can enjoy delicious, safe strawberries where prior while prioritizing your health and well being. But Don, I, the thing that I've been continuously happy about it, uh, AI or chat GPT specifically, it says at the end, note, it is important to remember that while proper cleaning techniques reduce the risk of contamination, they do not guarantee complete elimination of hepatitis A or any other potential pathogens. It's advisable to consult local health guidelines and stay informed about any food safety concerns in your area. So it's it's at least trying to tell you See, that, that there's something here. That would have been a good final paragraph. So here's the thing. Was this Marca article written by an AI? Maybe. Did an actual AI give a better article? Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Like, it, so, um, uh, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, so here, yeah, I mean, we haven't really jumped into too much. What we know about um, hepatitis A, uh, and I'd throw norovirus into this, like viruses uh, in general, it's really hard to wash them off with things, <laughs> like yep. food. Yep. So, yep. The, you know, the, the premise here is flawed from the start. It's not right. what's the best way to do this. It's it's can you do it? And uh, you, you, not not yeah. really. Yeah. Yeah, here let me let me let me fix this. The head the headline is can you clean strawberries to avoid hepatitis A? Question mark. Um as answered by Betteridge. No. Yes. Right, right. Oh man. So, yeah, there there's so much um, there's so much out there, but this kind of moves into something I wanted to talk to you about, which is something that you put into the chat, um, or not the chat, but it, we'll, we'll talk about it right now, is that you and I were both asked uh, to comment on two questions. 
Um, and I don't think we talked about this specifically um, on the on, on our podcast. So no, I'm I'm like 99 sure we didn't. We were asked, hey, there are two articles that are happening. Um, one, can you give me some answers on foods that food safety experts won't touch at a summer barbecue? And two, foods that are safe to take camping. And the the request came with a note at the end that said, chat note, chat GPT, <laughs> AI generated responses will not be accepted. Um, right. And uh, the author says, or the journalist says, I know you wouldn't do this, but including this on all source requests because it's happening more than I would have expected. Yep. And then you answered the questions, but then also answered them through chat GPT, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, yeah. well, so I was curious, yeah. right? Because I, I mean, you know, this is kind of like this is a thing. I mean, you and I have been talking about this. I've been using uh, Dolly, the art AI for a lot of the show art for uh, Risky or Not be being kind of fun to see what it comes up with. Right. Um, uh, and yeah. And, and let's I mean, this is and again, there was a there was something. <clears throat> Oh, somebody uh, tagged me on a, in a post on Twitter about profess uh, th something about we'll we'll find it. It was from the I think it was from the Chronicle, which is a, a magazine slash website that is targeted at academics, and it was something about a student writing about uh, Chat GPT, um, and, and you know I I forget, I'll I'll find it for our discussion, but it was basically I'm not worried about this as a professor again as a professor who doesn't teach undergrads on a regular basis I'm not really worried about this. Uh, it's not the end of the world. Uh, it's a tool and it's a, you know, it's a flawed tool, uh, but it's still a tool, right? I mean, it's, as we've discussed, it's a good, it's very good for writing a, um, in the, in the, in the words of um, that writer that Merlin always talks about uh, a shitty first draft, right? It's a, it's right. a, it's a, it's a pretty, it's a pretty good shitty first draft. Yeah. There was, the, I, I, if we're thinking of the same Chronicle, um, I thought about I sending this to you and I didn't, um, I, I can't remember where I was reading, but it was, it was like the, like chat GPTs ruining colleges, um, or I re oh no, how professors scrambled to No, maybe that's the one you're thinking of how professors scrambled to deal with chat GPT. Anyway, I read something, maybe it was in the New York times, maybe it was a Chronicle, maybe it was somewhere else The basic that, that I thought, uh, oh yeah, this is it. Okay. Um, it is plagiarism full stop was a quote from one one person uh, in this in this article. Um, and I, I don't know, I just feel like I, I, I feel like it is a it like you said, it's a tool we I mean, we talked about it ad nauseum on on this podcast. Mm -hmm. um, and I we're both in the in the same like boat here. I you just lost your audio. Oh okay. no! It's can you? Back. Am I, so am I back? Okay. Yeah, I can hear you now. So I'm sure it'll be on the Weird. recording. Yeah, yeah, I can hear you fine. Well, because I was talking. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I like it. It's not. Um, it doesn't make me panic. And in fact, oh, it like it, it was. It, it was really around um, essays, right? And um, it, the, this article made me think about like it's change. It, it is made us so we have to throw out the way that we do assessments with essay questions. Because if I give someone an essay question, say you have a week to turn this report in, um, and they just go to ChatGPT and they put it in, and there's the answer and it spits it out, then they haven't, you know, I can't tell whether they learned anything. And I would argue that that you probably couldn't tell if they learned anything anyway. Like like maybe that's not even a really good assessment in the first place, um, because 
if you if you're teaching the same course year after year, there are multiple people that have taken the course that can often share their past essays um, as a starting point or as something for someone else to copy on specific topics. And I just I don't think that those like I don't think writing, um, you know eight pages on a specific question is a good assessment in the first place. And chat GPT might just displace it all. So figure out a better way to assess things. That's my, like what I've got. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and it's, and, and don't, don't lament that it, that it exists. Right. Um, There was, so here, so here's the, the Chronicle headline is opinion. I'm a student. You have no idea how much we're using chat GPT. And my my uh, quoted response on Twitter: I'm a professor. You have no idea how much I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, right, right. Um, so how about this? I'm going to read you a quote, like on, or no, I'm, I'll send it to you in the links uh, or, or in our chat as well, which is not going to help you, but I'll read it um, mm-hmm. from the article that I sent you, which uh, mm-hmm. also from the Chronicle: How professors scramble to deal with ChatGPT. Um, to ensure students practice writing without ChatGPT, Hulk, um, who is a professor of political science, uh, Janine Hulk, uh, at Loyola University in Maryland, um, is making some significant changes. Quote, for the coming year, I am switching to an all in-class writing and all handwriting using project-based learning, she wrote. Oof. I'll ask, yeah. Can so, I not go to that class? Right? Oof. Like. And, and, and so what, I don't know, what is how it? About, that, how, I mean, the, the people that I really have been impressed with are people that have immediately in, jumped into incorporating chat GPT into writing, right? Yep, and yep. say, yeah, hey, here, let's everybody go out, pick a topic, go get a first draft from chat GPT and then bring it back. And let's talk about what's wrong with these, right? And then, and then let's work together. Yeah, in class, whatever, making them better. But Jesus, like, like, okay. So the solution, the solution to people typing, you know, typewriters, typewriters are a terrible invention. And so the solution is to write <laughs> things by hand. And you yeah. know what? That's also like, boy, pencils, man. Oof, and pens. Yeah. What we'll what just, an advanced technology! You know, here what we're going to do out. We're going to get some rocks and we're going to get some chisels <laughs> and we're going to like chisel our words because that's oral. that's going to be real progress. It's only we're only doing oral stel- storytelling because that's <laughs> that's it. That's well, it. and that's not bad. That's right? not bad. Okay, okay. yeah, do, yeah. That's a, that's that's called a podcast, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> um, Okay, so so one other thing from this article, I'll read you a quote that I thought stood out because I, I like no, I like this approach a little bit. Mm-hmm. Was as a non tenured professor of writing and literature, wrote Sean James Russell, a senior lecturer in the English department at Ohio State University, not the Ohio State University. I like that the Chronicle throws shade towards the Ohio State mm-hmm. University. They don't even bother to they just say at Ohio State. Um, uh, Russell is quoted saying, I do have some mild concerns about how ChatGPT could eventually cause powers that be to think that writing is less of a university-wide essential skill down the road, which I don't agree with. I think it's, this again, it's a tool to help with the, the need to write. Um, but he says, but I also think that the field will need to embrace and work with AI rather than try to ban it outright. 
And still, in the next paragraph yes. is yeah, that's I agree. He said still, he's asking students in his poetry class not to use it. On his syllabus, he he plans to say generative AI is here and surely here to stay. You may be tempted to use it at some point in the semester, but I ask that you do not. Most of what we do in this course develops your own analytical skills and insights, and the two major written assignments are fundamentally about your interpretations of poetry. So that's like I, I'm okay with that. Well, you know, but I would say, look, you may be tempted to use ChatGPT, and if you are, it's okay. Please go ahead and use it, and then tell me, like, again, like, generate a first draft with ChatGPT, and then use track changes yeah. to show me how you fixed it and made it better, or give me commentary on that, right? Like, I like let's, it. Yes, yes. You know, like, it's a tool. It's just a tool, people. It's it's a very powerful tool. It's a very flawed tool. And for sure, it is a tool that makes certain lazy habits easier. Just like, you know, again, I mean, we I run when I, while I was, oh, so we should, we should also confirm that this is going to be our last episode of Food Safety Talk. Yeah, yeah. Because, Right. They turn into a department chair um, uh, soon, and then we're going to switch to only talking about <laughs> department head chair talk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, which is a joke. And so apologies to everybody someone, who took me seriously when I said so, that. But, um, someone but, actually asked me oh, at a meeting yes, that I was yeah. at, is this true? And I was like, no, no it's, it's no, a bit. It's, it's, it's a bit we, we're doing. We, there, we do bits. It's, it's, <laughs> we do bits and japes and jibes. Yeah. Um, but we will probably talk more about administrative stuff because it's now part of both of our lives. And good luck getting us to not talk about what we're interested in, whether it's food safety adjacent or yeah. not. But um, but I run all of our our uh, student uh, theses, dissertations, uh, PhD proposals, and and critical and and Plan B critical essays through a plagiarism checker, and I read what it says, and I try as much as possible to let people plagiarize their own work, right? Or if they're writing methods from their lab, so if the PI uh, name is on a paper where it's borrowed heavily, it's like. I'm fine with that. Like, how many ways can you write that you did a particular method, right? But I, what I don't want is people just pulling wholesale um, text from other documents. Um, but again, th that and, oh, so my point was um, having computers and having cut and paste makes it super easy to be lazy, right? So don't do that, right? Right? right. Like don't right. Be, don't be don't be lazy. Like be or be a little bit lazy, but then like do the extra work needed needed to take that. Um, Annie and Danny Lamont, and we'll link to a wonderful uh, page on on forty three folders, which uh, still exists um, from uh, April uh, 10, twenty sixteen. Happy birthday, Annie Lamont, uh, where he he writes about uh, from her bird by bird book about her shitty first draft. And so again, yeah, this is a tool to generate a shitty first draft and and do it, and then and then embrace it and make it better. Because here's the, yeah, I mean, yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, it's, it gets you over. It gets you over a writing hump. It's, a, it's, right. a tech, it's technology, right? It's technology. like saying computers are bad, right? Oh, well, <laughs> no, computers can be bad, but they can be good too, right? Cars it's, are bad. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Like we maybe we should try to find a way to drive less, right? But I mean, to to say that cars are cars are bad and therefore we're going to outlaw cars eh, probably would be disruptive. <laughs> Right, right, you know? right. Should we use should we use less cars? Yes. Let's <laughs> so let's design systems that allow us to use fewer cars. Right, 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 right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so let's get let's get back to what what yes. you said and what ChatGPT said because I think it's yes. pretty fun. Yeah. Um, okay, so so your response. Okay, article number one: foods that food safety experts won't touch at a summer barbecue. Um, and so uh, 
uh, you know, for each item mentioned from a food safety perspective, please explain why this food is problematic. All right. That, that's, that's what you were set up. Um, right. And, and so you, well, why don't you go through what you said and then I'll be the chat. And you'll, you'll play the part yeah. of chat GPD. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So um, foods that food safety experts won't touch. Um, uh, I don't. So my answer now, I don't think there's any, there's ever any typical barbecue foods that I would just simply reject out of hand. And it really depends upon the context. And, and often that context can only be ascertained by observation. Right. So the foods that concern me most are some sort of meat product that was brought out to the grill on a plate, properly cooked and then placed back on that same plate causing it to become cross-contaminated with the bacteria on the raw meat. I mean, it's pretty clear why this is problematic, right? It's fully cooked, but it contains pathogens from the raw meat. Um, I would also be concerned about burgers that are prepared without using a tip-sensitive digital thermometer. Uh, I prefer that any burgers that I eat, uh, tur beef, turkey, whatever, uh, to be cooked to 165. And I'm concerned about this because they may contain pathogens, which need to be be killed by proper cooking. Um, other foods I would be concerned about would be uh, uh, green salads, cut fruit, deli salads that have all been exposed to unrefrigerated temperatures for an extended period of time. And here I would defi define an extended period of time as greater than two hours. Now, I realize, Ben, between you and me, that that is a conservative number. Um, yep. And the food code would allow four hours, right? Um, and even four hours is probably going to be still conservative. Um, also, I'm concerned about foods that are prepared uh, by somebody by hand, um, where that may lead to contamination of that food with Staphylococcus aureus, right, which is naturally found on the hands of some people or on the, on the bodies of some people, which could end up on their hands. So deli salads. So so that's that's my list. Cross-contamination, undercooked meat, um, and then any other foods that are temperature abused for too long a period of time. All right. Okay. So Chad GPT got... Two of those, two, you, 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 um, GPT got two of those things. And right. then it got some weird stuff. Yeah. <laughs> condiments so, left in the sun too long, Ben. Everybody's ketchup, worried about the condiments. <laughs> you're mustard. This is condiments like mayonnaise, ketchup, and mustard are staples at any barbecue. But when left in the sun for too long, they can become breeding grounds for harmful bacteria. And uh, wrong, 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 not wrong, true. Uh, mustard, I bet mustard won't grow anything. Um, ketchup, very unlikely. Maybe mayonnaise. some yeast. Yeah, yeah, yeah oh, some spoilage organisms for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, mayonnaise, I don't think so. I mean, may in fact, I almost thought about like the old wives' tale about mayonnaise. Foods with mayonnaise are risky. No, actually, um, mayonnaise reduces the risk because generally yeah. it's acidic. Yep, yeah, uh, it's all the foods that are that are covered in may mayonnaise that become a problem. Um, so yeah, uh, ChatGPT got cross-contaminated meat, um, undercooked burgers and poultry that, yep, all good. Using meat thermometer to check for appropriate. Then unwashed produce. Mm, I don't know. Not, and not again, really. I'm, I, I don't, yeah. I don't care whether it's washed. I mean, it's right. really, it's, it's not the washing that's making, again, as previously discussed, you're not going to wash the hepatitis A off the strawberries, right? And um, washing really is not, is not, I mean, it's what you, yes, wash your, produce if it if it doesn't if it's not already triple washed because who do, who wants to eat bugs and dirt right yeah yeah and and here like again this is specific to barbecues like mm -hmm. why well, i don't know why unwashed produce at a barbecue is is more more or less oh risky why, than why that matters right? unwashed yeah. produce not at a barbecue right yeah well yeah and then the last item raw seafood oh amazing um, not not something i'm gonna have at my barbecue but i guess maybe <laughs> if you're oysters because it's the summertime but 
<laughs> I gotta tell you a funny situation <laughs> that is only in context funny for like three or four people, but we had it's a, okay. They're all listening to this podcast. Not, yeah, none of them are listening. It's great. We had a, 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 a tailgating in between a couple of hockey games this winter um, at one of my kids' uh, teams. So it's like we played a game mm -hmm. at three o'clock in the afternoon, another game at eight o'clock at night. And instead of like everybody going to have a meal somewhere, we're just like, hey, why don't we bring some girls and we'll cook in the um, in the parking lot. And I am known, Don, in my small circle of people um, by what they would consider to be a derogatory term, <laughs> which I think is very funny. They right. refer to me as meat probe because <laughs> I <laughs> – so, because I'm constantly reminding people that I have a thermometer in my car if they would like to check the temperature of the things that they're cooking for themselves, um, which is true. I do have a thermometer that, that sits in my car for these exact reasons. But but at, a ver at the very same um, place where I was being chastised as meat probe, um, one of the participants uh, showed up to uh, – uh, to this tailgate. So let, 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 why don't you list off some tailgating foods that you would you would expect to see at a tailgate? Um, beer. Okay. Yeah. Check. <laughs> check. We had that. Okay. Uh, uh, probably some kind of uh, marinated chicken, right? Uh, there or, was. Uh, yep. Okay. Yep. Um, burgers, hot dogs. Yes. Yes. Um, uh, in terms of like, is that all, you're doing any good. foods from a tailgate? Uh, no, no. Chips. This yeah, chips, chips uh, yep. potato salad, uh, yep. other deli salads. That's what I'm envisioning. Absolutely, uh, bratwursts with the with the hot dogs. You know that that thing. Um, so one of the yeah one of the oh, yeah yeah, of yeah one of the tailgate participants brought um, sushi, um, which mm, okay, w w which I would just say raise some eyebrows. Of is this really tailgate food? And I guess according to ChatGPT, it's very much barbecue food because uh, ChatGPT says uh, things that that you wouldn't touch at a summer barbecue, raw seafood such as oysters or sushi, which is not something I would bring to a barbecue. And again, um, yeah. no uh, no shade or lemonade to someone who almost certainly does not listen to my podcast uh, or our podcast uh, who was at this tailgate who brought a bunch of sushi. And we're like, ah, that's a, a odd choice. Okay, we're leaning into sushi at the at the tailgate. Um, and I, maybe we'll get some, uh, don't, don't at me. Don't email Don if you're concerned about my, uh, uh, derogatory terms towards sushi at barbecue. So, um, so when you, when you said meat probe, um, mm -hmm. that made immediately made me think of, a, a, a television show, which I couldn't remember the name of. Um, and I found that there's a lot of really weird cartoon television shows. Um, but what it made me think of is the show Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Have you ever, have you ever watched Aqua Teen Hunger Force? I have not. No, that sounds made okay. up. So no, it's not. So the, the series main protagonists, um, are Master Shake, Meatwad and Frylock. And, uh, Master Shake is a, is a, is a shake. Uh, Meatwad is a chunk of raw meat and Frylock oh. is a, a, a devil, like looks like a kind of a devil face with fries coming out the top of the, like the fry, a fry container, like a devil face. Um, so yeah, so, uh, maybe not. Uh, and so I was, I was correct that Meatwad is a character, um, uh, not Meat Pro, but Meatwad. Uh, Meatwad. So anyway, I, thank you for the Aqua Teen Hunger Force, um, uh, um, uh, flashback there. So that's that was that's like, that was apparently a show um, in the mid two thousands. So, I Meatwad has come up because I've seen that I've seen that uh, character. that character somewhere. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, okay, so this is going to transition nicely into mm. uh, some something else that I wanted to talk about today. Oh, so uh, did you? Did, are you done oh. with this, or did you want to talk about camping? Oh yeah, let's talk about camping. But okay, I, so, I, uh, but then we're coming yeah. back to grilling. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, okay, so, yeah, you, yeah. Camping. You okay. you talked about foods foods that 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 are okay to safe to take camping. Right, and so again, this is the same inquiry from uh, a writer writing for Huffington Post. Um, and, uh, and it's two articles that she's writing. Okay. And so the second article is foods that are okay to take camping. Um, what foods are okay to take camping? Um, and my answer is it depends on what you define as camping. Uh, certainly any foods that would normally be refrigerated should not be taken camping if you don't have any way to maintain refrigeration. Um, and then, you know, for every food mentioned, explain why it's problematic. Well, I mean, pathogens growth is, is retarded by refrigeration. So if you don't have refrigeration, you get multiplication. Um, what are some food safety tips? Uh, best foods to take camping would be foods that don't require refrigeration. This could be dehydrated foods designed for backpackers. Uh, if you're car camping and you don't mind the extra weight, you can take uh, canned foods or again, my go-to um, when I'm not camping, when I'm just having lunch in my kitchen is uh, tuna um, in a pouch, which is a very lightweight um, instead of tuna in a can. Um, are eggs safe to keep take camping. Um, I would not recommend taking uncooked shell eggs camping. They should be kept refrigerated. Um, I really don't like coolers. Uh, they're not a very good way to keep things cold. Um, the ice melts that get you get water and then the water goes everywhere and it's just it's just nasty. Um, if you really have a hankering for eggs while camping, uh, my advice is make hard boiled eggs and then air cool them uh, because that's allowed in the food code. And if you air cool a hard boiled egg, um, it's got minimal chance of getting pathogens inside. And then that that uh, air cooled hard boiled egg is essentially shelf stable. It, you can it might if it cracks, you know, that might not be great. But again, um, relatively uh, robust uh, shelf stable food. Um, are jars of peanut butter and jelly jam okay to toss in a car or a backpack for unrefrigerated? And peanut butter, absolutely, totally fine to keep un unrefrigerated, whether it's been opened or not. We have the natural kind of peanut butter in my house, so it'll separate, so we refrigerate it. And usually the, we refrigerate it until it gets to the bottom of the jar, and then because we usually haven't done a super good job mixing it, the peanut butter refrigerated peanut butter at the bottom of the jar is kind of hard and so then we move it to the uh to the pantry and then it softens up and then we we finish that off and then rinse repeat um not rinsing but repeating um and then jams and jellies are, are fine um if they haven't been opened because that's how you get them in the store um once they're opened uh, i would be careful if you see visible mold if you see visible mold get rid of it otherwise it's it's fine so, and I think actually chat GPT had some kind of good, uh, yeah. good answers. So uh, you want to, you want to play the part of chat GPT here? Yeah. Yeah. I thought chat GPT did, did pretty well here. Um, so, uh, it really, um, focuses on, um, you know, making sure you've got, uh, you know, resealable bags to prevent cross-contamination. Um, it, it doesn't go, um, well, it, it, it talks about canned foods, dried fruits and nuts, shelf-stable dairy products, and prepackaged snacks as like the, I guess, the easy ones. But it doesn't rule out things like meat and dairy. It says if you're going to do this, make sure you store them in a cooler, um, and then uh, make sure they're in containers to prevent cross-contamination, which I really thought was good. Um, and it talked a little bit about, um, you know, basically right in line with you on eggs and in. Um, and on uh, uh, peanut butter. Um, and um, one thing uh, that 
it, it kind of missed was what you talked about with hard-boiled eggs, right? Like that right. didn't really come up, which is a very, I don't know, I think it's like a very special thing that we talk about a lot, like you and I talk about, that not even people in the food safety world are all that like familiar with this like air, air-cooled hard-boiled egg um, situation. Um, but yeah, I thought chat GPT actually did pretty good on, on that one. And there weren't any hallucinations like the raw, you know, um, seafood or condiments, um, that we saw in the first question. Right. And I, and I, I did, I did think the dried fruits and nuts was a nice call out. That was something I missed. Right. And so there's an example where actually that's a really good suggestion. It's sort of implied in, in my answer, but, but, uh, an actual call out. Um, is uh, was was good and sorry. I know you want to segue back to grilling, oh, uh, but before we do that, I just want to give a shout out to backpackingchef.com. And so this is a guy uh, that I've had some interactions with, um, uh, who is an just a really interesting guy who runs this backpacking website, um, and. He uh, he reached out to me to talk about uh, dehydrating rice, which is something that backpackers do. And he said, uh, let's see, what did he say here? He says, uh, oh, um, I've got I want to write a call out box um, on dehydrating rice. Um, and because he's got a, uh, had an article on his website saying uh, dehydrating, dehydrating rice at 200, 125 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, <clears throat> And he had some concerns about that. And so uh, basically I, I answered it and we did a, a phone interview. Um, uh, he's he's actually in based in Switzerland for part of the year. Um, so we had a call uh, in his uh, evening in, the, in, in, in Switzerland. And uh, yeah, and so just, a, just a, a huge call out to Chef Glenn who runs backpackingchef.com who was just really just a, a smart, uh, cool, interesting guy with a really cool website where he wants to do uh, things that's like right in terms of food safety so so thanks to chef glenn for reaching out and uh, we'll give a plug to his uh, his website backpacking chef excellent cool um so something came across my um my twitter feed from someone who we've also talked about on the podcast in in the um in the past and someone who like has a weird like connection to us through someone else we know but from meathead um the famous (laughs) meathead from amazingribs.com and um, and I know we've talked about things that Meathead is, um, has, has done um, and talked about from some food safety. And, and essentially, like, I th- we think that Meathead does a really good job on, um, on uh, talking about the nuances of, of food safety. But link I sent you is the first time that I've seen this, like, really in-depth breakdown of time and temperature in the, like, in the wild from Meathead. Um, and, and so take a look at the link. He, he produced a, um, uh, a, a chart. So we're familiar in the world of food safety. Um, and actually I'll send you one of these, a food, foodsafety.gov, um, uh, endpoint temperature chart, um, safe mi- minimum internal temperatures. Here you go. Um, as a, as a starting point from foodsafety.gov. And so they say food, steaks, roasts, and chops, internal temperature 145 degrees, rest time three minutes, right? Ground meat and sausage, internal temperature 160 degrees. You know, these are the the common, you know, people will say, ah, this is what USDA says, this is what FDA says, this is what CDC says. It's all kind of like, it's all different, right? Like they all, it's all foodsafety.gov. Who knows exactly, exactly like who's saying what, but it's pretty mm-hmm. consistent that this is the list of, of numbers. 
And then Meathead put together um, a, 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 another more in-depth um, temperature guide that goes through, and I think you can find this. Um, oh, yeah, you can see the, or maybe this is where to order it. Let's see if I can get you the actual PDF so you can see this. Um, mm -hmm. That goes through, like, time and temperature and beef, lamb, mm -hmm. venison, duck breast, what Pittsburgh blue means, what rare means mm -hmm. and temperatures. And he goes through and, and kind of says, like, USDA is conservative because they're only talking about endpoints, but really it's about time and temperature. So let me give you some information about time and temperature. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I just want to give a shout out that I think that this is um, this is pretty it's pretty good. Um, but the one that sticks out to me is um, ground. Well, is poultry. Mm -hmm. OK. And I wanted to talk. So researchers tell us this is from his website that a significant percentage of chickens and turkeys have salmonella in their juices. OK, mm -hmm. good. No problem. I find it helpful to treat raw chicken and turkey like kryptonite. USDA mm -hmm. says to serve poultry at 165, and most chefs agree and remove it at no lower than 160, allowing for a five-degree carryover. Mm -hmm. Push the thermometer probe to the breast at the ribs, its thickest part, back out slowly, reading the temperature along the way. At 165, the white meat is still moist. Um, you know, the transition happens there, blah, blah, blah. They seem to taste best in the 165 to 170 range. Okay. On his chart, he just says um, chicken 160 uh, for well done. Well done. Um, he also provides a 150 to 155 range for sous vide. Uh, mm -hmm. And so I, I wanted to, like, he lists... And USDA says 165. He recommends taking off a 160 for a five-degree carryover. Don, I've done a lot of poultry cooking. Mm -hmm. and, and again, not professionally, but culinary-wise. I've never observed a, a carryover for, like, a chicken breast in my – like really? I, yeah, I like I I take and I'll just tell you I take it off. I'm my, I, I not a five degree carryover. I'll, if I I take it off at one sixty five, I leave the the meat probe in it. Uh, call back mm -hmm. to earlier in the my my nickname earlier, um, and and I might go to like one sixty two, but it doesn't go to one sixty five. Or mm -hmm. sorry, I sh it shouldn't. Let me let me tell you what I see. It might go to one sixty six, one sixty seven, but it doesn't go to one seventy at one sixty five. I don't right. care. Like I don't. I think that it's like I think the carryover cook is about one sixty. Like it, I, 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 I'm not argue that I think he's getting it wrong. It's not getting up to one sixty five. I think what it's it's not a five degree carryover. I think at one sixty you're getting a time at one sixty carryover, not an increase in temperature. In my like in my grilling experience. So let me let me ask you this. Um, <clears throat> do you have the same experience with steaks? No, I will right. get a carryover with steak. I just don't see right. the carryover with poultry. And I and I think fundamentally it comes down to I think geometry, right? Yeah, there's yeah. just a bigger mass with a piece of steak. But I also wonder how much of it is related to temperature, right? Because typically you'll pull it. I wonder if you took that chicken off at 145, yes. whether you'd see a carryover. And then conversely, I wonder if you took the steak off at 160, 
whether you'd see carryover, right? So how much of it is a a property of the geometry of the meat cut of meat and how much of it is the proximity to a, an upper upper temperature? Yep. And I, 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 just, I, and I don't yeah. know. I mean, it'd be easy enough to do some research to find out. You know, you know who would probably know the answer? <laughs> meat, meat wad. No, <laughs> no. Uh, 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 Carl Custer. No. Uh, I don't know who. I'm, John Lutinsky and oh, a Port of Damn it. Okay. You're you're exactly, exactly right. I they, need to ask John Lutinsky. have studied and cooked a lot of meat. On grills with on grills. all this stuff. Uh, with exactly this. You're you're exactly right. So I, I guess when I saw this and I looked at it, mainly because I appreciate Meathead being really in-depth, that mm-hmm. was the one where I was like, I don't know if it's getting that like, – and water probably yeah. matters, right? Like what the water right. that's moisture. left. Yep. Yeah, yep. moisture. Like yep. whatever's if there's, left. There's, if there's more yeah. moisture, you're going to have more heat. If it's drier, you're going to have uh, – it's, it's not, it's, it's, the carryover is going to be less, would be, would be my prediction. Yeah, and at 160, um, f- according to Appendix A – and Meatwad reproduces some of this uh, right on his web. Not Meatwad, Meathead <laughs> uh, reproduces this right in his in his website. The you know at one sixty, you need a holding time of twenty seven seconds, and that's what I'm guessing. Like I I'm not arguing that one sixty is the wrong temperature from what he's saying. It's not the endpoint temperature. It's the whole time that I think he's getting the same reduction. You know, seven log reduction of salmonella. So I think he's good. I think it's good. I think the time. I I think the the temperature he's got and the nuance that he's talking about is good. I just don't think it's. I don't think I'm seeing carryover when I cook it. Um, oh, could we do we we should reach out to Meat Meathead's uh, significant other and and ask her to tell him to please not use a hyphen in E. coli. Yes, <laughs> we yes, do that? We, we could we certainly could do that. Um, and I I don't think we validated who, who our connection to Meathead, so we'll we'll preserve that. But I do want to. I think that this is a little bit um, uh, I- I- ironic, uh, you know, uh, from Meat- Meathead's uh, article. The U.S. Department of Agriculture (USDA) publishes recommended uh, temperatures. It's an admirable effort, but it's uh-huh. but it's oversimplified and slightly misleading in order to make it easier to the public to remember. Yeah, even yes. so, we that's agree. True. Yeah. yeah. Even so, everyone reprints USDA numbers because they are afraid of being sued or because they just don't understand the issues. I agree. I'm not afraid of being sued. Right. Again, it comes down to, and we've talked, and I can I can argue both sides of this argument. Ben is we don't want to confuse people, right? Yeah. We want them to be safe, and so sometimes in an abundance of caution. um, So it's not about being sued. I just don't want to confuse people. Right. That's all. And, and yep. hey, here's the thing. If you're smart and you know what you're doing and you want to follow Meathead's advice, go for it. You have my you have my uh, my full support. Right. It, yeah. um, but if you don't know what you're doing and you're just like cruising the Internet and looking for advice, I want you to get I, I, I only want the people who really care enough to dig down into the details to get the correct information. Right. Yep. Or, to yep. get, or to get more nuanced, accurate information. Yeah. And, and I'm, you know, I think about this in my own life that's outside of food safety. There are times where I want someone to just to explain it to me like I'm an eight year old. 
right? Yes. Like I don't, I don't, I'm good. Just tell me what's the, what's the rule here. Give me the USDA number. Don't tell me yep. the nuance. And there are other times where I'm like, wow, give me a little, like, is that true? Give me a little more. Cause I'm a little more into this and I might be able to handle this extra information and it might, it, it might impact what my decision-making is. Um, I do want to call out uh, Meathead for, for like, he really nails ground meat, burgers, and sausage. Mm-hmm. He says, USDA recommended temp is 160, and it should be adhered to closely. Um, mm-hmm. Goes into, um, you know, during the butchering of carcass, knives cutting the hide can contaminate the meat. The intestines full of fecal matter can easily cut open, um, spill onto meat, gloves, knives, a little E. coli on a steak is not a problem because they remain on the surface and are killed rapidly by cooking. But when the meat is ground, the contamination on the surface is mixed into the center. Um, and he says, uh, you know, uh, don't screw around. The risk is too high, especially for young and elderly people at your table. Yep. Yep. I like it. Like, I, yep. I just, I, I think meat meathead um his I, go go check out his um national barbecue association's new product of the year award winning uh, uh food temperature guide uh because i think it's cool and he includes some some good stuff on sous vide that i that is also mm-hmm. science-based so yeah it came across and i was like yeah we should talk about this yeah, good job stuff. good job meathead good job meat wad uh, <laughs> good job different. meat probe me pro, me pro, me wad, meat head, title. Um, okay. Now, meat probe is that one word? I I I don't know. I I don't think I've ever seen it written. Um, so yeah. Um, okay. I put some other stuff in here. So this it actually goes to something that you and I were just talking about, and it calls out someone who I just spent a couple of days with. Hmm. Um, okay, so. Uh, the title is, I'm a food safety scientist. I won't eat these seven risky foods. Oh. People love the, ris- the, the risticles. Risk- yeah. Risticles. I just I coined a new term right there. Nice. Risticles. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so here, I'm just going to read them off. And we're not going to go through them. But I do want to talk about one specifically here. Uh, um, fresh sprouts. You and I have talked about this a lot. Um, I'm very much on the not fresh sprouts. You, uh, you, you have. I don't like uh, sprouts. You don't like sprouts, and you've convinced me that that's not always the case because sprouts. It, it all depends about where and how they're being sprouted and where the seeds yep. come from. And if we yep. get that information, it it moves. I agree with you on that. Um, raw milk, yep, check. We know this one. Oh, and on um, uh, just uh, heads up, not heads up. Shout, shout out to our friend, good friend of ours. Um, uh, on Fresh Sprouts, Keith Schneider and um, Bob Gravani, mm. um, and, and I I, um, I wanted to. Uh, we'll come back to Bob in a second. Okay, uh, Bob okay. says raw sprouts have been incriminated in a number of outbreaks in the U.S., which is true. Um, <laughs> raw can oysters you, are. Can oh, you yeah. send me the link that you're talking about? Yes, I can. Yes. Thank you. Um, I had that all. You know, it's funny. I have the thing in there for you. I have it pulled up, and I just I I don't like to give you too much. Right mm-hmm. up, I like right away. I like to give you stuff as mm-hmm. we talk about it, but that the the challenge there is that I also have to give it to you when I want to talk about it. Exactly. So I didn't. I just didn't do that. So it's from this is from the Today Show. Oh, um, yeah. Okay. From uh, don't don't be confused, Don. It's from yesterday's Today Show. So it's, I, I guess it's from yesterday. Um, <laughs> Yesterday.com. I'm giving myself a thing on that one. Yeah. Um, 
So, okay. So we've got uh, fresh sprouts, raw milk, not, you know, yep. See, raw milk, Amsterdam. Um, raw oysters or clams. Okay. Uh, Bob Gravani says, I don't cons- consume raw molluscan shellfish like clams or oysters for obvious reasons. They're very risky. I agree with that. Kathy Cutters gets a shout out in this. She's concerned with Vibrio. Um, uh, Kathy says there's always potential for hum- human fecal contaminations. Agreed. Raw or undercooked eggs. Uh, Bob Bob says this does include runny eggs, and some people are willing to take that risk and enjoy sunny side up. But I prefer to have my eggs cooked thoroughly. I I think that this is a we're not. Uh, you, I'll I'll uh, say to to Bob we're not comparing. I don't think it's the same risk. Raw oysters and raw eggs mm-hmm. or undercooked eggs less risky. Still risk, but less risky. Um, that's a different podcast. Um, steak tartars on the list. Uh, so again, directly undercooked or raw ground beef. Um, so uh, Bob says I usually only consume ground beef products that are prepared well done because when you have ground beef or meat mixtures, you run into a higher risk of pathogens being present or being present in the middle. Agreed. And here's the one I want to talk about, Don. Mm. Rare anything. <laughs> so in the same vein of steak tartare, uh. the experts, for the <clears throat> most part, won't eat meat that's rare, which basically means undercooked. This applies to beef and also lamb, pork, poultry, and fish. While it's common for people to eat steak or burgers with reddish and pink centers or lightly seared tuna, for example, these haven't been cooked to a high enough temperature to kill any disease-causing bacteria that could be present, Gravani notes. And I, I, this is one where I don't like to argue with Bob Gravani because I, lo- I like Bob. I'm not. Let's not even call this an argument. Let's just point out that I would not put steak, seared tuna, and burgers into the same r- risk. No. Like no. rare risk at all. Yeah. It's totally to me. Yeah. It's to- totally different. It's easier to say this, but it's but it's not. So Kathy says, and and again, I I you know the, who's the, who, I'll say today's show says Kathy says all meat right. should be cooked to 160 degrees Fahrenheit. Poultry should be cooked to 165 and seafood to 145. The terms rare, medium rare, and well done are not always accurate and can be, depend on the cook. You can't rely on color. It's not a good indicator. You need to check the temperature with a properly calibrated meat thermometer. Agree, agree, agree. That's yep. what, that, But I would I'd point to what we just talked about. Meatheads, great, mm-hmm. great chart yep. to say if you want to do stuff, this is actually pretty good and science-based. And yep. I would say that the headline of, quote, rare anything is not – it's not at all what everybody is talking about in here, and I disagree with it. Yeah, and I will say, too, like there's some – I mean, this is – again, this is nothing against the experts, which they quote. But, um, you know, it, in that paragraph uh, one or two above what you were you quoting, Kathy, it says, in addition to pathogens previously mentioned in raw beef – Undercooked meat can contain Staphylococcus aureus, Clostridium perfringens, and Campylobacter. None of those are italicized. None of the genus names are properly capitalized, okay? <laughs> Don't get me started. Um, but here's the thing. I'm not super worried about Staph aureus in my raw beef. And guess nope. what? If I've got Clostridium perfringens in my raw beef, I'm going to be there in my cooked beef too, right? Yep. That's yep. why we're going to refrigerate that beef because th- the spores of Clostridium perfringens can survive. And Campylobacter? No, nah, it's mostly chicken. It's not beef, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and staph is not associated with beef. It's associated with hands. And so there's, yeah. I mean, again, I'm sure, I'm sure the experts did not review all of these, all no, these quotes at right? all, or all, all right. this text, Probably. right? Because yeah. it's it's for it's for a today website, but um, 
yesterday. 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 We'll, we'll also we'll also link to the Mr. Show pre-taped call-in show bit, um, which is just it's it's funny. And I think about it every time. Um, so uh, we'll we'll link to that because that's because that's fun. But yeah, I mean, you know, shame on you today.com for not really getting the details right. And also also Carolyn Key, um, uh, health reporter for at today based in New York City. Um, why didn't you call me and Ben? Yeah, why, I'm, we're I mean, right here. There's nothing wrong with the experts that you called, but but but, but why why call them? That's what I you know I'm very curious how how experts get. I mean, and it's mostly random, I suppose. But this is a this is a fairly uh, good set of experts. Um, but I'm just wondering, like, how did you how did you decide on them? Yeah, well, uh, and and I when I read this initially. Um, I'm a food safety scientist. I won't eat these risky foods by Caroline mm -hmm. Key. I was like, is Caroline Key a food safety scientist? Maybe. No. I, no she well, might I don't, be. I don't, I don't think so. But She's a health reporter. It's, a, it's again, it's it's a, it's a riskical headline. <laughs> it's a riskical. This is a riskical, Don. And I wish I, <laughs> uh, I I just typed that. I ri I, I, I wish I wish that, uh, <laughs> that that could be our our show title. Maybe it will be. It's a um, little ping pong there. It's a riskical. It's a risk. Yeah, it was. That was bad. That was not good. Um, so. All right, so we got today um, a couple other things. Yesterday, I, yesterday um, a couple other things I wanted to to highlight that have been interesting. I'll send you a link to this because mm -hmm. that's how we that's how we work. Uh, in, <laughs> you sent me the link first. Is that how it I works? send you? I send you the link first. Um, I have it. I have it all open uh, opened up. Um, and here it is: CTV News Vancouver. I see a Canadian uh, television network see something like that maybe oh but the link's not opening up well let me give you another link mm. there we go cctv news vancouver here it comes um uh olive oil sold at two pizza restaurants prompt warnings from vancouver coastal health uh vancouver coastal and uh, I, uh so i've got a couple of nice um pictures of the products uh, chili infused olive oil from Pizzeria. I don't know why I said it like that. Pizzeria Farina, uh, and then oregano infused olive oil from Pizzeria Farina. So, uh, health authority issued the warning uh, a couple of weeks ago regarding the bottled herb and chili infused olive oils uh, from uh, Main Street in Vancouver. Um, during a public health inspection, it was identified that the restaurant's bottled products that are on there, like labeled with their own stuff, were not manufactured using a validated method, method in line with food safety standards. Once advised of this, the retailer ceased production and sale. Um, there were no reports of illnesses, but the manufacturing and bottling of canned products must be in line with food safety hazards, or must be in line with food safety standards to eliminate harmful bacteria that can cause illness, including Clostridium botulinum. So, so here's like, I mean, th this it looks like there was some sort of drop, um, stuff like chilies and um, oregano with uh, you know into olive oil and let it sit at room temperature um, and bottle it. Uh, and uh, not acidify it or do any temperature control for botul for control of botulism, and so had you had, like it's not a surprise that we that, that we see this. I think this is something that you probably don't have to go too far um, locally for both of us to find these types of products that would exist. I, I I'm I'm interested. Like it looks like this has been happening. You know they they've been bottling and selling this stuff for a while. I'm interested why. Time, yeah. 
yeah, why all of a sudden now they're doing it? Like they, this makes a, like someone noticed it. Oh, because the health department noticed it, right? I mean, yeah. I think fundamentally, that's what it comes down to, right? It was just yeah, yeah. like somebody somebody uh, noticed it. I mean, honestly, really, that's all it is, right? And obviously, this product is probably a small volume, probably small risk. Um, but yeah, no, public health found out about it, and they're like, "Eh, you guys can't do that. These are not these are not approved recipes." We'll link uh, we'll link to the uh, four sixty nine marinated feta in a jar, um, where we talk about related uh, on risky or not, where we talk about a related issue. Now again, um, that we we call that risky not because of the feta, but because of the gar- it's basically garlic and oil. Um, and then we'll also link to uh, Numer et al. Um, uh, Numer Schaffner, Fraser and Andrest, uh, which is an older article from twenty eleven. Current food safety issues of home prepared vegetables and herbs stored in oil. I think this is a pretty pretty good um, definitive kind of uh, s- statement on on the topic. Uh, yeah, I mean, anytime you put something in oil um, that has the potential to support botulism growth that is not acidified, um, you're running a risk. And again, it might be a low risk because hey, um, you know, nobody got sick from this as far as we know um, because it was probably a small production volume. But yeah, um, so yeah, just be uh, be a little bit careful there when you whenever you see something in oil. Um, yeah, just be a little careful. Yeah, and this is so. Um, I just found a Facebook post. Yep. Uh, and uh, it goes back to December thirtieth, twenty twenty. Twenty two. Um, yeah, twenty twenty. Twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah. Uh, from Pizzeria Farina, saying because we're all spending more time at home these days, Farina infused chili and oregano oils to make them everything a bit better. Add it to your uh, pasta, pizza, or your eggs in the morning. Available online or at the at the restaurant. Um, and so it, this. Um, I could see where this would slip under the radar. And I, I had a conversation with a couple of um, entrepreneurs who are in the culinary world here in Raleigh, who at the height of the pandemic were like, hey, we're not making money because people aren't coming to our restaurants. So what kind of products can we make and sell um, as part of takeout? Uh, and, and in fact, the one of the conversations that I had with with one, you know, one of these individuals was about an oil spice infused oil product um and uh and so yeah this doesn't uh, now now it all kind of makes sense but it is i don't know it is interesting that that this started in december you know 2020 and and we're talking about it here mid 2023 that it, it took a while for for you know uh, the health department not no, no shade towards the health department but but you know that that it it didn't come up before now um, and I could see where the restaurant's like, hey, we make this oil and use it here. Now we would like to bottle it and sell it. That seems like it should be a no-brainer. Like, what's the difference? Yep. yep. Right. Um, and I'll, we'll, well, we'll and probably like, they shouldn't bottle it and use it there either. <laughs> right. Unless they're, unless they're turning it so quickly, right? Um, or refrigerating it. Or refrigerating it, it right. Yeah. Um, and uh, 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 let's link to your um, – one of my favorite papers of yours yep. um, on uh, herbs and oil in food protection trends. Yep. Uh, yep. I, I got it. It's already, it's already there. Oh, oh it's you already did it. It's, it's already, already in my, it's, it's you can't see my safari, but it's already in my safari. Oh, it's already in your safari. There you go. Oh, um, and good, good. interestingly, I've, I did go to Pizzeria Farina's website um, and I clicked on groceries and merchandise. And um, all of their groceries and merchandise at this point appears to be merchandise. <laughs> <laughs> Is no longer no, no more no longer groceries. Groceries. Yep. Um, 
not, and this is not to be confused with Farina Neighborhood Italian, which is a restaurant here in Raleigh, which is excellent. Um, different, it's a different place. They don't, also, don't not even... to be confused with pizzafarina.com, um, which is a website which is for sale. Oh, it's available. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Um, uh, oh, I read this other article, which I will send to you. I just want to I, I, um, highlight some stuff. We uh, talked a couple episodes ago um, about Daily Harvest um, and um, – uh, a specific oh, yes. amino acid. Yes. Um, yeah. So uh, there's a really good article in uh, something called Fast Company, which mm. is a website. Oh, yeah. uh, I know. There, it's a website for entrepreneurs. Yeah. You want to move fast, move fast and break things. Moving, moving fast. Daily Harvest Recall, how a rare new ingredient set customers to the ER. Um, I, I'd encourage our listeners to, um, to read this. It goes through... Um, a bunch of the stuff that we had, um, like we've talked about, um, but um, but it uh, references uh, a friend of ours who we had on a, um, a food covid net webinar, Mansoor Samadapur, uh, Sam, Sam, um, and uh, he uh, talked about uh, the in, in, like the importance of similar to what you and I have talked about. Um, if someone's going to put a new sort of novel ingredient protein into into food that um they better make sure it's either grass or that they've got some data on it and essentially Mm -hmm. he says established food companies are not just going to run into the market with an unknown ingredient they examine any ingredient 10 different ways Um, now you have a lot of non-professionals forming online companies going after exotic ingredients convincing people to fund them which uh yeah it sounds a little bit um uh, familiar uh, mm-hmm. to, uh, to what, what happened in this, uh, in this case. Um, and so, uh, they, they interviewed, um, Rachel, uh, Drury, who's the founder and CEO of, of Daily Harvest. Um, and she, you know, she talks, uh, about how they started the company, um, in here that she's spent much of the last year managing the issue. Um, and, and here's the, like, I, one of the things that you and I have talked about, but we haven't heard it directly from the company. Um, the article says, nonetheless, uh, Daily Harvest decided to incorporate um, this product, uh, Terra, uh, into its Crumbles product. So actually, let me go back um, and read a little bit more context. After nearly three months of investigation by Daily Harvest, the FDA, and other agencies, the probable cause of the illness finally became apparent, Terra flower an ingredient made from the seed of a legume grown in South America. While Terra gum, a different product, is made from the same plant, had been used as a thickener in foods like ice cream, Terra flour had not been widely used in North America or anywhere else, save food safety experts. Nonetheless, Daily Harvest decided to incorporate it into their Crumbles product. Quote, we were looking for a source of protein with, a very, with very specific criteria. We didn't want it to be hyper-processed or based on nuts, soy, or wheat. We were introduced by Terra by a few suppliers to meet our specific needs. Um, and so, uh, you know, there, there they go. Um, yeah, so, says, this is, so the, yeah. yeah, this is interesting. So again, reading from the article, the company already had another crumble product in the works that used nut-based protein, but given the prevalence of nut allergies among customers, the R&D team worked with Smirks, a supplier yeah. of organic non-GMO ingredients. And they go on to talk about 
grass and basically um, uh, there's no evidence that FDA received grass documentation for Terra flower or any part of the Terra plant. That's not exactly true because Terra gum is right. grass, but okay. Um, but maybe what they're saying is they didn't receive it as it related to this particular, right. you know, Terra gum has been grass for, for a while. Right. Yeah. right. Um, uh, Silver says that daily harvest supplier Smirks confirmed that Terra flower was grass. The suppliers share with us documentation and position Terra flower as generally recognized as safe. Um, uh, um, Silver says, yep. Um, daily harvest declined to provide this documentation to fast company citing the ongoing litigation. Well, good luck. Um, there's a thing that our, our good colleague, Mr. Marler will tell you about called discovery. It's coming. <laughs> it's coming it, out. It's, it's, it's uh, yeah. you could. Here's the, the thing that I love about Bill is he's like, yeah, sure. I can share that with you. It's, it's coming out in discovery. It's going to be all be public anyway. I mean, he does, he does play his cards close to his vest, but he's also, he also is not afraid when he can to share stuff. Um, yeah. And I would say, you know, this is coming out, so why not share it? Right. Um, yeah. And the company, so this is it. So, so uh, daily harvest is suing smirks and, the Peruvian supplier Molinos Asociados, right? Uh, Smirks declined a request for interview or comment, citing lawsuits. Uh, Molinos did not respond to multiple requests. So, you know, um, stuff's going down, Ben. Stuff, stuff's going down. Um, the I, I thought this article was really like it was good. I you know, yeah. there's always an angle on stuff, mm -hmm. um, but I think I think they did a good job of talking about like yeah. placing this in the in the context of a new company. So also from the article, this crisis yeah. may be a harbinger harbinger sorry of what's Harbi to come. Harbinger Har Har Harbinger Har Harbinger Harbinger Harry Harry Harbinger. <laughs> Of what's the harbinger of what's to come as direct to consumer food startups flush with venture dollars. Hairbringer is a different kind of product. It is. It is. You can buy on the, on the internet. That is, that's uh, it's, it's something for meat probe. Um, uh, <laughs> Release, yeah, flush with venture dollars, release products that fall through the large regulatory cracks of the FDA. And, and there's a link to a 2016 consumer reports about grass, um, yeah. which is which is pretty good. Um, this could be especially true for companies that make novel ingredients. A selling point, it may not have the same in-house testing facilities and procedures uh, as larger uh, consumer packaged companies. Um the uh, the article goes on to say that uh, daily daily harvest has augmented. The, uh, we've augmented our sourcing strategy based on this experience. We're not going to use an ingredient if it's not been widely and safely used in the United States. And um, fast that's company da that's daily harvest saying that yes, which okay. is gr yeah. which is great, great now, late but good, late yep. late but great. Da um, fast writes daily harvest troubles should be a watershed for consumers. As how they re how they reveal how unregulated unre food companies are in the U.S. and how easy it is for unsafe ingredients to make it to our dinner plates. I don't. I disagree with that statement. I, yeah, it's but it's not that easy. Um, and I I really I mean I I love I love the fact that Fast Company did this right because this is a website slash magazine that might be read by food entrepreneurs, and yeah. it's honestly it's a wake up call for them. Exactly. Right. I mean, so, I don't know yes. what the consumer is going to do, right? I mean, I'm going to look at something and I'm going to, I mean, I did, you know, my wife did, uh, I shared this on the last podcast. I think my wife bought some uh, fake meat product it ended up being horrible just because it was, it was, it was just not good. Um, but I looked at the, it's like, oh, it's soy. Fine. I, you know, I, I'm not worried about eating soy. Right. But right. I mean, what the average consumer is going to read a label and, and figure out that Terra flour is not the same as Terra gum. I mean, 
No. How do you know? Right. No. Yeah, I mean, exactly. what, it, what, what it's a wake-up call is for the entrepreneurial companies, food companies, um, to make sure that their ingredient suppliers are vetted, right? And yep. and clearly, I think Smirks is for sure holding some of the blame here, as is uh, as is uh, Molinos um, Alimentados or whatever whatever their name is. Yep. So, yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I I I would like I couldn't agree with you more because um, the. I would say that it's a watershed for for businesses, right? Like every food entrepreneur should read this article um, and and think about how they're like, what are they trusting within the system? Like, you know, trusting a supplier to say, yeah, yeah, this is fine. Great source, try it out. And the, you know, the, the article goes through not just, you know, we've picked out the things that we're interested in. There's probably 500, 600 words related to the people that got really, really sick. Um, right. on this and um, and I and I that that's important for people to um, you know to, to read about um, as well so yeah good really good um, you know <laughs> last quote that I will read doesn't make me feel I don't know super confident about um, daily harvest but the quote is lawsuits are lawsuits and they happen behind closed doors in a courtroom so you know I'm not concerned about it Drury says our mission is bigger than that it's to help people eat more fruits and vegetables every day and challenge the status quo of the food system and and I would just say and and hopefully not lead to like liver and kidney problems because right like yes. that, that that's got to be part of it um, here. Um, she, uh, she also goes on to say recalls, unfortunately, are not all that uncommon. Um, or sorry, that's not that's not true. This is Car- Carl Stenmark, a general partner at VMG Partners, who's been on Daily Harvest board since 2017, um, talks about the, you know, the, this idea of recalls. Our consumers still trust the brand. And for the most part, the track record is extremely positive except for the part where they made a bunch of people sick, especially if you're dealing with leafy greens and fresh fruits and vegetables. He also says the company has enough runway to weather whatever comes out of the lawsuits. I hope so, but I, I also think it's bad to make people sick. So, Yeah, well, and I would I would question. So this is Daily Harvest has enough runway? Yes. Hmm. I, we'll see. We'll I, see. I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, go to a lawyer for that answer the, to that question. This guy's yeah. not a lawyer, is he? I, I don't. I don't think so. Um, yeah. Interestingly, uh, there is a lawyer that's quoted in this uh, in this article. <laughs> uh, Bill Marler. Yes, what we know. Bill Marler. Uh, is he is he famous for showing up to dinner with the, the people that he doesn't think he's having dinner with? He might be. Yeah, he's doing that right <laughs> I'm, now. I'm sure he's better at being a lawyer than he is at coming to dinner reservations. I, I I've got to. So. I've got to think that right. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, yeah, so he gets he he's he he gets some time in this uh, in this article too, which is yeah. which is good. Uh, so I just I just sent you a link to Molinos Asociados, uh, which is the the ingredient yeah. supplier, and I want you to scroll down to the bottom of that web page. There's a couple of really interesting things. Number one, um, apparently they're HACCP certified. They have a couple of uh, little uh, rotating uh, sure. logos, yeah. uh, but the the right line above that is they're still selling Terra powder and Terra protein. It looks yeah. like. Yep. What the hell, Ben? Yeah, can I buy some? How can they how can what? What the heck? How buy, can they ball. be selling this? Oh, you got to you you've got to uh um you got to you got to request a, uh, a a quote. Does I don't have a quote yet. Can't buy it in retail. Can't buy the powder in retail right now. Okay. So, hmm. all right. But yeah, but I can buy pancake 
pre-mix yes. Harina protect. I don't know what that is. A pancake. I can buy a pancake mix pre-mix. that has okay. pre-mix that has Terra protein in it, not the I, Terra powder. I, I, but but Terra protein is the same. I'm not. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm. Oh man, protein why? There's a whole bunch. Wow, of why are these guys? St- who's buying this? Why are these guys still in business? I don't know. They're HACCP certified. I don't know if you saw this twice. So they did. They they're a, two different, they two black, different logos that say they they're got black or red. Yeah. Yeah. How's your red? How's your red HACCP going? I, I got my black, but uh, I haven't got my my red yet. <laughs> I don't even know. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, the daily harvest uh, um, continues. Um, the saga continues. Okay, the last thing that I had for us today. Well, we have one. There are two things that I want to talk about. Um, one is an article. Um, I will send you the link to this. Uh, I I just thought this was. There there are some gems in this one. Um, there is a chef in Wales who uh, refused. Oh, where is it? Oh, so this is it. So just to wrap the the this thread. Oh wait, this is weird. This is a different website, but it looks like uh, the the all of the Terra protein stuff is out of stock. Oh yeah, there you go. So the Terra gum is not out of stock. So all right, that makes that makes some sense now. Okay, but that's not. It's somewhere that Molino Associados links to. But anyway, I'm sorry, I took you off your your no, thing. Right. But I'm gonna link to both my... these websites. Yeah, let me find. Uh, let me find my thing. Um, here you go. Found found it. Whales online, link coming your way right now. Um, is it about orcas? No, <laughs> about killer I'm, whales. I want. I want to. I want. I need more killer whale content. Kill, yeah, yeah, killer killer whales. No, chef refused to show food hygiene sticker because he didn't agree with it. Okay, okay. well, I mean, I, good for you for standing up for what you think is right, but you're kind of a j- jerk and idiot. Yeah, he um, said. Uh, um, chef has been fined for failing to show his hygiene st- sticker, showing a rating is in his sandwich shop. Um, uh, uh, oh, but, but Kader, here's the thing. He once worked in a pub owned by Guy Ritchie. So why would yes, you believe him? You got there. So that was actually my favorite part. I don't even understand. Like Guy Ritchie, the director. We're not talking Guy Fieri, right? Like it's yeah, Guy Ritchie. I yeah. worked for Guy Ritchie. Believe me. Yeah, a pub uh, owned by Guy Ritchie. Well, yeah, uh, yeah of course. I'm going to believe everything that you say about about whatever whatever you say. Lock, lock stock, oh. and two smoking sandwiches. Um, Oh, so, uh, yes. Yeah, so he, uh, the, two months later, the inspector, oh, he opened this, gave the business a food hygiene of uh, a food hygiene rating of one, which is not, not great. Is that, is that on a scale of zero to one? I do. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the inspector returned in September to find no sign of the sticker. Um, and they, they went to, he went to court, uh, for this, um, sticker was not shown when the inspector visited again in October, or November, um, I, um, the guy who they took to court says he didn't know about this. I've never seen the letter. The fine's too much. I have two kids and a mortgage to pay. The fine was uh, 2,200 um, uh, pounds. Um, he closed the shop, though, um, uh, four months ago, but still, you know, whatever. Um, 
Kadir was away at the time of the inspection and left a family member in charge of the shop. He said he trusted his family's knowledge of food hygiene after more than 20 years in the industry. His relatives run the successful Pasha Sandwich Bar in Clare Road, Grangetown, which has a food hygiene rating of four, which is better than one. He added that he himself is an experienced chef with a resume. He claims includes roles at Guy Ritchie's former pub, The Punch Bowl. Um, and Hotel Duvin in Henley-on-Thames. A sandwich bar is like not, is like is like a nothing to me because he's he's so good. Because he's so uh, good. Like yeah. he, he could run that he could run that sandwich bar with one hand tied around his back and out of town. And not even yeah, in a hygiene rating of one. That's how yeah. So anyway, uh, I just love the the subhead on this of Tardif chef who claims he wants work. Like Guy Ritchie's out here and he's like, what am I, how am I involved in this? Like his people are reading this today and he's like, I've got nothing. <laughs> what? Why am I here? So, um, okay. And then the last one that uh, we got some feedback from uh, an episode of Risky or Not that we did about sink oh, so, pasta. Sorry, just, oh, yeah. just, just before we completely leave the topic of whales, um, I have to say that we watched the season finale of the season two of The Cleaner, um, uh, which takes place in Wales. And so I just Ooh. I just again, I want to get a little bit of TV um, safety talk in here um, just because uh, The Cleaner is awesome and you should watch it. Um, I'm going to try uh, not, it again. Not not. Yeah. Oh, oh he, did you try it? And didn't, didn't I tried it, it. For you, didn't click for you? There is a there was an episode that really bothered me. Mm. Um that included it was in the first season um that included a um he'd met a woman that he was he was dating who was a hoarder um oh, and did you yeah. do you remember that episode and and i just no, but it, it became like i just didn't i i wanted the cleaner to be more realistic <laughs> and it, it so that episode kind of threw yeah. me off because it was a little like i had to suspend my my belief a little bit no, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it, I think it's taking a while. It has, has taken a while for it to find out like what it wanted to be. Um, and it, 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 and it is that sort of awkward British humor. Yeah. Um, and, and Greg, uh, uh, Davis, 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 yep. Davies? Davis. I mean, it's, it's spelled Davies, but is it pronounced Davis? I don't remember. They all now. say it. They all um, say it's Davis. Yeah. Okay. Greg Davis. Um, you know, it's, it, it yeah, it's, uh, I can, it's not for everybody, but again, I would I would say give give season two a try. All right, um, I'm going to give it another chance. Yeah, but it's but it, again, it's a uh, it's it takes mostly. I just wanted to shout out that it took place in Wales, and we could hear that lovely yeah. Welsh accent, which is just so delightful. So. Yeah, good, good, good. All right, um, sorry. Goodbye. Okay, so so we we did um, we did an episode on sink pasta. Yes, uh, we did. Risky or not? Okay. Yep. Um, and so so if I if I remember. The um, situation was instead of draining the pasta in um, in a colander, uh, the, the it was like a redditor. It was an uh, am I the yep. asshole? Yep. Um, and, uh, and and essentially, the someone went to someone's house for dinner and not having colander, they drained it in the in the, in the sink. And we both said it was risky, right? Um, and for for a variety of reasons, but someone someone called us out on this. So, uh, um, uh, listener to the show. Um, uh, Dilip said, uh, we can all agree this practice is gross, but I found the analysis wanting here. This may be of no value, but common sense, often wrong, would suggest the near boiling water and 180 degree plus pasta itself may play a role in how good a chance bacterial contamination would happen. If this notion is just wrong, easily could be, it would be of great value to hear why the notion is foolish. 
Um, and so, so the the idea is that there's a whole bunch of hot water that goes in and would, um, you know, do do a sanitizing step on whatever is in the sink basin. So reducing the chance of of cross contamination. And Dilip's just calling us on. Uh, we didn't talk about that. So what are, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I guess the question would be. Um, well, I, I, so the complicated answer is we need more data, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, is, is it true um, that uh, uh, pasta water is at 180, right? Like what is the temperature of wa- water, pasta water, when it is commonly poured into a colander? Right. And I'm not sure that we can say definitively it's at 180. Um, I'll have to try to remember to next time we pour it into a colander, not the sink, a colander over the sink at my house. Um, So, yes, you're going to get some benefit from that 180 water, but it's not it's not like you're spraying hot water over the sink first and then waiting a period of time and then dumping the pasta in. So I'm not I mean, it's good. It's a good point. And it's a it's worth calling us out on it but as i write putting right back to delete it's not enough for me to change my assessment i mean it may push me a little bit more towards not risky but i don't i don't think it's a it's i don't think it's worth change i don't think it's i don't think it's enough to change my assessment just because we just don't know what that what that if if that's the temperature and also like what it really means in terms of sanitizing the sink yeah and if and what that effect would be on like something like a biofilm that might be right. around the the like that the the area that I was most concerned about, or I am most concerned. I don't know if I expressed this in the episode. Is um, around that drain. So they yes. they put like the drain little like um, strainer in there, yeah. but yep. but the drain the part that's above that where you could get some biofilms, um, and that the the pasta is right on top of that. So, yeah, I know it's a good it's a good point. And we didn't talk about it. And I and I think it might have we should have talked about it, but I agree with you. I don't think it would have uh, changed my assessment because one it, it, let's say it's 180, then I pour it on a cold sink. What how, how like how quickly would it kill and what would be the impact on the biofilms that could be harboring pathogens um, in there? And are you going to get full coverage of it? Right. Like, right. is the right. water going to go everywhere where the pasta is going to touch? Um, maybe, I guess. Yeah. Well, well, it depends on I guess how you the, pour it. The hot water is going down the drain uh, because yes. you're using the sink as a colander. Right. And so th- certainly most of the hot water is going where you want it to go, which is down the drain, which is risky, which is the riskiest part. But we also know that again there's biofilm what's the what kind of pasta is it is it is it spaghetti or um angel hair right is it i mean i don't know it's it's still i'm 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 not it's not enough for me to change my assessment no i i'd like to put a call out cuz we're we mm-hmm. um, as you mentioned earlier this is the last episode of food safety talk um and we'll be moving to a new <laughs> podcast of department head chair talk chair talk which is a bit which we talked about it's a bit um but what i would like to do don i'd like to i'd like to propose something to you mm-hmm. that that um if if someone came to us and said hey i think this is really great content i would like to 
fund studies that answer <laughs> the things that you guys talk about on Risky or Not or your podcast to come up with a definitive answer on this to Dilip's question, that I would do that podcast too. I don't know what oh, we yeah. would call it. It's not Risky or Not. It's it's uh, it's something else. But I would add a third. Well, I mean, essentially, I guess we've, we've, we've retired this podcast. So it would be a third podcast to our roster. Of, right. Um, with, well, fourth you know, podcast because we've got we got this podcast right archived. We've got we've got, we've got food, yeah. yes food food uh, head uh, food head, food head no. talk meat meat wad meat wad <laughs> department head talk. <laughs> um, and then this new podcast, which is um, it's kind of like uh, risky or not. And then I'm imagining a big um, uh, like a big red stamp that comes down and says case closed. Case closed. Did it has like a yeah, stinger, yeah. right? Risky or not? Oh, case yeah. closed. Where we answer it definitively, and that we have a little stinger and a boom, boom, boom. Oh. Like a, like a, we'll have to redesign the logo with a, a yeah. superimposed uh, stamp on it. I like it, and and it and uh, and and here's the like, if, what, how, what what do you think? Like five thousand dollars per episode would be a reasonable budget <laughs> to answer some of these questions. Like from a microbiology and a time standpoint, do you think that like how? If we were to design a, a, an experiment that answered Dalib's question or answered that entire, like, is that reasonable? I'm trying to do it on the cheap, right? Like, I think yeah. that there might be a sponsor out there. I think we could do it for five grand an episode. I think so. And again, it depends on the topic, yeah. right? Um, but this one, we would need to have access to people's kitchens. We have to, well, we have to, we'd have to, I know we could also, this could turn into quite a, a bit of work where we would do a podcast <laughs> where we would design the study first. Yeah. And we would yeah. talk about it, right? Um, and then, and then actually go and do the study. It's going to take a long time. These are going to be very, hard episode it's kind of like myth mythbusters right there's going to be a um, season right like yeah, it would have to yeah, come out in a season yeah, where we would yep. we would pick like six or eight of these that we would do and it might be two or three episodes each where where we talk about it because it's or or it's one episode that but it goes through the the design through and, and at the end we've got the dung dung case closed right um so i people ask if they could if they can sponsor the the podcast we don't we don't do any of that stuff I would do this like this, uh, like, like if, if someone wanted, if, if there was someone out there who listened, who thinks that they would like to put their, you know, I don't know, listen, I'm not even gonna, uh, we're not even gonna pitch it, but put your company name here or your trade association name here. And you want us to do Mythbuster type like episodes that I, we, we should talk about it. Cause I think this would be fun, but it's gonna, but it's gonna cost it's, it's like, there's money that's involved in this one. The other ones we just do for free because we love it. <laughs> uh, uh, five second rule, um, busted, dung dung, right? Like I guess you already did that one. We already, already did that, that one, and that one costs a little more than five thousand dollars. It's already done though. It's free, right? Right. It's free. It's free. Done. It's free. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. No one will ever follow up on this, but uh, but I'm I'm leaving it out there. We would have we you and I would have that conversation with whoever if they right. wanted to do something like that. But thanks to Dilip for for follow up on on that episode. That was a, that's a good one. Uh anything else? We we went through all the stuff that's in here that I wanted to talk about that goes back the last month. We well, I should I, I do in in real 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 time breaking news here. I do I do want to give a, a shout out to uh, people at um, uh, Emory University and and elsewhere. Uh, there was an article 
um, that was published in Applied Environmental Microbiology, and it's got a, a list of authors, some of whom we know. Uh, uh, lead author is Kane Cooper, um, but also authors list also includes uh, Chana Rock and Leanne Jacobs and oh, Juan yeah. Leon. Yeah, we like that. Titled, we like all of them. Um, yeah, and, and we've already we already knew about this because Carl Custer shared it with us. It's a yeah. combined infection control preventions is protect essential food workers from occupational exposures to SARS-CoV-2 in the agricultural environment. Love um, this paper. And me too. And and my my involvement because uh, I, I did reach out to to the lead author Kane. Um, I was originally asked to review this for AEM, um, and then um, the review the ed editor canceled my review after I told them I was going to be late uh, because apparently they, we had a quote unquote miscommunication, and I was really kind of steamed <laughs> about that. Yeah. Um, and so I, I looked up uh, Kane's contact details and I sent them um, my review. <laughs> I said, you don't know me. You don't know me. You don't have to listen to this. But I also reviewed this article, and I think it's really good, but I have some feedback for you. And uh, and Kane uh, just recently sent me an email, uh, sent me a copy of the article, and said, Thanks. since making those edits and resubmitting, we received good news. The paper's been accepted. Um, uh, thank you for, for your feedback, and we welcome additional any, any additional feedback or conversation. So, um, yeah, so they're just uh, basically saying, you know, thanks. Thanks for sending your comments. Oh, yeah, uh, uh, thanks for your email, and my apologies for not responding sooner. Um, uh, your comments were very well received, um, and uh, we thank you uh, for helping to make our work better. So, anyway, so just, I just want to give a shout-out to them, link to the article. Um, uh, and we won't name the the editor um, who is who's um, on my uh, on my bad list right now. On, on your naughty, <laughs> Cause, cause, naughty cause list because they, they didn't. Uh, you know, I mean, I don't mind uh, as an editor myself. I cancel reviews. Yes, I understand. Um, but you should tell the reviewers before you cancel. Yeah, because otherwise they're going to go ahead and do the work. And that and, that, and I mostly uh, honestly, Ben, it was mostly I was just angry that I wasted my time and. Um, uh, and, and but but I didn't waste my time because the authors very kindly listened to what I had to say and made some some comments, made some uh, adjustments. So so thanks thanks to the authors for being um, good good folks. Absolutely. Well, that's that's exciting. That's exciting stuff and great great paper. Um, and again, thanks to Carl Custer for always sharing stuff with us and uh, and very cool. Uh, I think that's a show. I think it is. All right. Well. Uh, Good, good to chat with you, and uh, I'll, I'll talk to you later. Bye. Uh, bye. 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 <laughs>
Uh, awesome. Okay. So I would like to propose something to you. So yeah. I'm, I'm going um, – so I've got the after one ready to post. Cool. Um, this one will post like next week sometime or mm -hmm. I could hold it. So I'm – here's what's up. Here's what's up. Next week I'm around. Could, could record 5th, 6th, or 7th. The week after that, I go to the beach, and I'm um, I get home like sometime Thursday night, and then I'm home all day Friday, and then Saturday I go to IAFP. Cool. And then so and we yeah. have and we have a risky or not scheduled, right? We do, and it is next week sometime too, right? I think the th morning of the, the third. third. Yeah, the third. That's all good. Like I I'm here all next week. So so the question is. Do you want to record like next? I don't know Thursday or Friday. Yeah, yeah let's let's do. Actually, then, both of those days are wide open, so, or not wide open, but but both I'm available. Uh, so on Thursday, I'm available uh, at two p.m. Okay. And after, and on Friday, I'm available basically any time in the afternoon. I'm good. Let's do Thursday at two. Okay. Um, I have my my sister in law. Oh shoot! No, I'm I. Oh wait, Thursday no. the sixth. That's good. Yes, sorry. You sure? I just was okay. looking at the wrong Thursday. Uh, that's fine. Yep. Okay. Let's let's aim for that. And if something changes, um, we'll we'll change it up. And if and for whatever reason, if it if like my my personal life ends up like like Danny's tell me I'm doing something on Thursday the sixth, which I don't currently yep. have in my calendar. Um, yep. We've got enough that we could get even to the week, like we could record live at IAFP. Yes. Um, so, so we've got like we have this one. I've got Afto that's going to go up today, and then IAFP. Like we basically would get three posted in oh. July. Okay. Oh yeah. Um, cool. So speaking of which, when would you like to record at IAFP? Oh, that's a good question. And I, I'm asking you that not knowing. Well, actually, so. We are already recording that uh, IAMFIS, um meeting. Huh? Is that going to be our IAMFIS? Remember, is that what it's called? I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I Right, because the, it's it's they don't want to pay for breakfast, which I understand. Right. It's totally right? fine. Yeah, yeah. So so we could get that as a special little. We're, right. We'll get it recorded, um, and then we should do something else. Yes. Um, I don't know what my schedule is yet. Let me pull it up. Yep. I know that I'm giving. I'm on a panel and I'm leading something. Yeah, I do know my schedule, but I don't know when the business meeting is, and that's that's the main thing that's not on my schedule that I need to. Uh... Okay, let me. You look up the business meeting. I'll look up my okay. schedule. Benjamin Chapman. Monday at one thirty, I give a talk.
Tuesday morning. Okay. I've got a round table. That's it. Is that right? No, I got another. I have another talk too. There it is. Tuesday afternoon at four. Okay, so Tuesday. So I could do any time Wednesday. <clears throat> or Tuesday in between okay. 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. Oh, my calendar's doing something really weird here. Um, or Monday morning. Yeah. So, what what what's your availability for Wednesday? Um, I have I any I'm totally free Wednesday. Okay. Um. <clears throat> well, and I we did. Yeah. Mm. And actually, mm. I say that I haven't booked my flight. I'm gonna fly home Wednesday night. Oh. But it would be Wednesday night. Okay. Well, for some reason, I have invest investigating ambiguous outbreaks and adverse events, which I'm not sure why that's on my calendar because I don't think I'm speaking oh. at that. No, but um, someone t someone said something about that and you said we should go to that. Okay. Okay, <laughs> that, cool. Yes. Um um how about uh, and then and then there is a party for our retired executive director yes at noon. Um I don't know, you want to do 9 a.m. on Wednesday? Yes. 9 a.m. Wednesday is perfect. Okay. Um, do you want me to email Lisa to see if we can get a room? Sure. Okay, I can do that. And I think that works better for them too, because I think that the, as you get closer to the end of the meeting, the uh, the room usage thins out. Yeah. So it's probably easier for them to find a room for us on that day. Wednesday, July 19th. Perfect. Done. I have CCGU. That is sent. Okay, cool. All right. So that's perfect. So we'll have we'll have a whole bunch of like June, July stuff. Cool. Okay, cool. Um I will uh I'll see you later. All right. I will uh, yeah, I guess I'll talk to you on Monday. For risk you're not, yes. For risk you're not. Yep. Perfect. Perfect. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.